Live from the studio headquarters in Towson, Maryland, you're listening to Info Warlocks. There's a war on for your magic. Yes, thank you, thank you guys. How are you guys doing today? Um, this is Sam Kelly. <laughs> this is uh, Jimmy Zaleski. You already know. We got Natalie Moon and we got Chris Wolf. What's up? In Hello. the house, we're celebrating the Wolf Moon a few days too late. Um, I love sorry, that. Yeah. Oh, woo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, woo. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, the New World Order is the only thing I won't order from DoorDash, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new age not a new world uh, I, I'm against the globalists because I worship the moon <laughs> fuck the earth <laughs> but yeah I'm, I'm super excited to have you on like we have like an actual witch on here like and I mean it is like a compliment like our mm-hmm. first like legitimately and yeah and like Chris has just done a lot of mushrooms they <laughs> <laughs> yeah, killed the his ego male equivalent of a witch yeah. just a yeah. guy who's done a lot of it's mushrooms 100% true yeah. <laughs> the guy who went to Wichita State you know <laughs> One of those three things can get you the certificate. Yeah, do, just do some acid, meet God. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, like have have you ever, did you ever actually meet God or you just, you realized you were God or you realized no, you were nothing n- at all? Like, neither of those things. Mushrooms help me look at life happen without being able to find my own opinion. So I would watch people argue or the way people carried themselves in stores, and I didn't have an opinion. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of accepted it. Yeah. And I did that for so many years, it started being applied to life. So all those weird things I would do on mushrooms when I was 17, I did just earlier at the Giant before we came here. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's the ego death is what they talk about with psychedelics. Yeah, and I wasn't aware I was doing, I was a kid, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? At the time, I wasn't, running to anything i was running from shit yeah you know Mm -hmm. what i mean so once you stop doing that and you can look at the world without always your own opinion first it's easier place to live and i think that is meeting god my personal relationship with uh the lord (laughs) has always been such that I, i thought i always used to say i was like i think that the same uh, I'm going to say consciousness, even though now it sounds like I'm also on shrooms. <laughs> yes, that's what I want this podcast to be. Yeah, the same <laughs> thing that sees through my eyes and sees itself as as me, that's that's lived all my experiences and truly views like I am me, is the same thing that's looking out of your eyes right now and the same thing. And Correct. so when you experience that ego death, then what you're actually connecting with is the the central consciousness that connects us all, which I call God. And I think people get caught up in the semantics of, you know, when when all the really in, super incredibly smart people on the internet go sky daddy and whatever. It's like, yeah, yeah. You're just you're you're downplaying. My sky daddy's Odin. I believe yeah. in one. He's just not. <laughs> <laughs> you're just downplaying a, a, a deeper, more profound concept here. Seventh grade intellectual. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like I feel like me and Natalie had the opposite experience, like on psychedelics. Like I, I mean, I got more ego my last trip. I was like, all these motherfuckers around me are like 
bad energy. It's like, and I'm awesome. I'm like having a blast. That's it's usually like, what booze does for me. Yeah. It gives me more ego. I'm like, wait, I am this shit. What was I thinking? For me, like anytime I've done acid, it's always been like one of those things where it confronts like issues that I've been not dealing with because I'm very non-confrontational with things like that. I'm like, let's go with the flow. And then I take acid and it's like, you need to deal with things. My last acid trip, I like, it was actually probably one of my more happy ones where I just sat there and I like listened to all my favorite bands and cried about like how much I loved them and everything. And then like I kind of just like had like a whole like career path thing where I was just like comedy is what I want to do. Writing is what I want to do. I'm doing the right thing. This is exciting. And I tried to write some jokes while I was like on acid in my notebook. And all I wrote down was being in your 20s is like, we did it. And then in like underlined in purple pen, I love the band Camino. Like it was just that. And I was like, wow, profound, cool, Natalie. Like sober me was a little disappointed. There's like teardrops on the paper when you were there crying were, over the joke. There were absolutely teardrops. I was like, yes. I've done it. <laughs> White women's tears are very valuable. You should have put them in a vial. That's what I hear. These are my acid tears. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really I wanted to have Natalie on here too because um, your godfather is a vampire historian, and that's fucking incredible. Yes, like, yes. Jonathan Weiss, uh, he runs the uh, tour company in New Orleans. It's Jonathan Weiss Tours. And he is my godfather and vampire historian extraordinaire. Just casual plug for him. But um, he's incredible. He does tours all through the city where he literally just goes to like haunted houses, essentially, and talks about the history of them. Um, He's one of the better people to do those experiences with because he doesn't do any of the fabricated stories. And one of the best things he does is a dark history tour where it's just straight up like only history no no myths or anything and a lot of it is like weirdly tied to vampire stuff because it's like there's a lot of true crime there that you can't really tie anywhere else like you die when you have 40 percent of your blood lost and there would be these crime scenes where there would be six bodies that have 80 percent blood loss and there's really not no, like, where's the blood going? Nobody found any of the blood. And mm. so, I mean, it kind of goes into that and it just kind of keeps feeding itself. And, and like, you see another guy walking around with 140% of his blood and you're like, wait a second. <laughs> you fucking, where'd you get that from? <laughs> suspicious. <laughs> you have a suspicious amount of blood, sir. I mean, there's, there's questions that need to be answered at this point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, so it'll be things like that. And um, that's kind of what I just grew up around all the time. Like from the time I was like six or seven on, I was just going on these tours in New Orleans, just walking through the streets and uh, drinking at a very, very early age, probably like 11 or 12, just getting drunk and talking about vampires. Which I thought was the legal <laughs> drinking age in New Orleans. That wasn't exactly. <laughs> New Orleans just has different laws. It's definitely the legal play the trumpet in traffic age down there. <laughs> I'd say. If there's one thing I've picked up on down there. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't have squeegee kids. We had like... <laughs> like Tuba kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fear the brass section. Which I'm more inclined to tip a tuba kid. Honest. Yeah, no, it's sure. a very heavy instrument. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, out there. Yeah, with. you guys got a girl's gone wild down there. Do they still do that? I don't know. I don't. True. I, I don't know. May- maybe. A lot of voodoo, right? No, there yes, is lots yeah. of voodoo. Lots that is of voodoo going on down there. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. You can thank slavery for that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thanks a lot, slaves. Yeah. Well, I always thought the term black magic was offensive. Oh, it, true. Like, oh. It, it, I think so. I think it comes from a lot of like uh, racial the wrong people be about in it, <laughs> where because like you know, like people think uh, black cats are bad like luck, yeah. bad luck and everything, but a lot of that comes from like East or Western European racism against black things. So, mm-hmm. um, just fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> so, in most cultures that aren't racist. Black cats, they don't mean anything. They're real cute. Mm-hmm. But Name like those cultures, please. I can't think of one. I can't seem to think of one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you know that in my vampire research, um, apparently the way you turn into a vampire is if um, a cat runs across your corpse. So a lot of millennial women are going to become vampires. They're going to tie around and Can't like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of die, laugh, love things going on. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think, I think the vampire thing is fascinating because I've, I've gotten in this... Um, conversation with people when they talk about you know since we are inspired by the the great alex jones and info warlock's title people talk about like the adrenochrome and stuff and and like obviously the the concept of it seems very far-fetched and things like that and i always say like even if even if obviously it probably drinking a child's blood does not make you younger that does not mean that there's not people that believe it does and therefore that does not get rid of the idea that people are doing it so like with vampires it's like okay like even though the the kind of sensationalized version of vampirism is that the word vampirism vampirism we'll yeah. go with that <laughs> vampirism is you know do you actually necessarily believe that a guy you know Brad Pitt is 500 years old like maybe not but but that doesn't mean that there's still people sucking people's blood you know it's <laughs> yeah. like that's that's totally could be a thing you know, oh, it is. <laughs> we get caught up in the, it's kind of like, you know, going yeah, back machine to machine gun Kelly and shit. Sorry. New Orleans has actual like cults of people that hang out in like sleazy bars and stuff where they drink each other's blood, like very machine gun Kelly style. And it's just they just do it because they're like, we're a part of the vampire society. And yeah. I, you know what? Live your life. It's, yeah. it's a little like, don't, don't um, Chris, you don't like children. Would, would you drink blood or rub it on your face if it could sure. make you eternally young? Yeah, as long as I don't get arrested. <laughs> I, I would do pretty much anything on the planet as long as uh, I'm not going to go to jail for it. We, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, so if someone fair. was like, hey, you could be uh, a politician this, then. <laughs> this blood won't kill you. It's from a person. Take a sip. Yeah. Also, yeah. not that far <laughs> off from what is a blood transfusion? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of skipping the drinking middle man a little your bit. Mouth. Like the concept of blood drinking is there. It's we're not completely off. About Jim that. Morrison used to do it. No? Oh hell yeah! No. Okay, now I'm on board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, going down on a lady when she know. has her period. You're <laughs> hey, you're a vampire. But technically, that's that. uterine lining. That's not even Ooh. blood. Oh, sorry guys. Wow. <laughs> sorry to ruin that. Yeah, the let's more talk you about know. uterine. You're saying I'm not immortal? Is Probably not. Okay, but yeah. we could find out. Okay. <laughs> this could be the day. <laughs> Jump off the building, find out if you're immortal. <laughs> but, but yeah, I was just thinking, like, with all the blood and vampire history and even the blood bars, like, Baltimore City still has more bloodshed than, than mm. New Orleans, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're at least comparable, for sure. New Orleans has an insanely high crime, crime rate, same way with Baltimore, because it's like, when people were like, oh, you're moving to Baltimore? I'm like, yeah, it's not that different. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's fine. <laughs> 
I, yeah, no. There is a lot of blood in both cities, a lot of history in both cities, too. A lot of cobblestone streets that fuck up your car tires. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I want to get more into the occult history of Baltimore. Like, I, I know it's there. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, we're... I just found out that South Broadway Square has corpses underneath it. I had no fucking clue. I found that out a couple like weeks ago from somebody's set. And I was like, what? Really? Right there? Like we were at the port. So it was like literally 50 feet out there. I was like, there's just hundreds of bodies. And I was like, sick. From where? Where were Um, they? It was either like yellow fever or scarlet fever victims Mm. where they just kind of, it was like a mass burial for like, the sickly dead people. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Well, yeah, comedy in Baltimore is usually a mass burial with how bad yeah. people. <laughs> it's well, kind well, of weird because then you think about like a lot of those bars, like the horse, shouts out the horse you came in on um, down there, has been uh, a continuously open bar since I think like seven early 1700s, mm-hmm. like pre it's America it, p- official. It's one of the oldest. And right? so that means that like during that time, they were getting wasted at the horse and were like, just, just bury him over there. <laughs> It's like it makes more sense if we eventually decided to make bars down there, but it was like we already had the bars, and we were like, "Well, I mean, I'm wasted. I'm not. I'm carrying them this far. I'm carrying them down to here, and that's it. Bury them. Build a fucking pretzel stand over top of it. Get it over with. You know. And that's that's Fell's point. That goes to show you. Yeah, <laughs> I fucking love Fell's Point. It's it, I love it because it's so similar to New Orleans. It's so spooky. It's so creepy, and everybody's drunk. Yeah, it's still too high class for yeah. me. But yeah, <laughs> it, it's high class depending on there are very there are two very distinct uh, social classes in Fell's Point, and I would say that the the just graduated college grew up in Carroll County and moved to Fell's Point and living in a house with four other people class. That's like, that's, that's like the higher class. But then you have like the, I'm 30 and I got nothing better to do class. And that's, that's kind of where you're at. The alcoholic musician class. I mean, that's a, that's an overlooked, you know, I'm a proud member of. I, I took that. <laughs> I'm too old for Feltz Point. I grew out of that. Trip. Yeah, Canton is. It, it does appear the Baltimore graduations go. You know, first grade is. Uh, well, first grade is somewhere in the county. Towson. That was my first grade, and I still live in Towson. But then second grade is Fed Hill. Then Feltz Point. Then Canton is where you uh, become a man. And then when you have kids. Back out to the county, baby. I'm not sending my kids to Murrow. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Glenn Burney is just ninth grade and pregnant. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, but yeah. Speaking, of the, I remember talking with you about Fell's Point, though, Chris. You were saying you tried to date a younger girl, but she was into the bar scene, the college stuff. So the age gap. Can you imagine, like, all yeah. these vampire stories, like a hundred year old dude dating like a sixteen year old girl, like? And you couldn't handle dating like a fucking twenty-one-year-old. No, no, it, it was a big mistake. I was I was thirty-two. She was twenty-two, which mm. seemed fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she yeah. seemed like a mature twenty-two. Yeah. But then when she was like, "It's fucking Friday. Let's go to Fells." I'm thirty-two, and I'm like, "I did that shit." Yeah. I'm not going to Fells. Let's yeah. go on a nice Tuesday. Yeah. We'll have a nice yeah. dinner, get a couple drinks, and I, it just dawned on me that like I was gonna cheat her out of you know. Fucking living life. Yeah, being in twenty. That's that goes yeah. with the old. The no old, one was wrong. We were yeah. just at different parts in life. Mm-hmm. The old uh, half your age plus seven is a good barometer. I think if she was twenty three, you know, thirty two, you don't think so? <laughs> no. no, I do not. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not not for dating, but I think for well, actually, I don't know for getting married. No, but I think yeah, I don't know. I'm thirty now. I I couldn't imagine myself dating a. 
My, my girlfriend's 24. I'm acting like, dude, 22. That's <laughs> 22, that's just... I mean, grow up. <laughs> oh, but, but yeah, I actually have some files um, from Supernatural to Catch a Predator. Um, if, if you guys wouldn't mind helping yes. to reenact the scene. Um, yeah, sure. I'll let you guys pick a color. I think they're the characters in bold, and then somebody can decide who to be the narrator. Um, you, okay. guys are, you guys are literate. You'll figure it out. Pick a color. <laughs> Okay. Okay, I got pink. Nice. Ooh. So is the circled one, is that, that's just, uh, this says moon on it. Does that f mean it's not for not Natalie? <laughs> <laughs> this is your last name on it. Okay, okay. Oh, oh sorry. Uh, yeah, I don't totally... Yeah. Is this, does right. this plan rely on us having the corresponding names? <laughs> or are these just like decoration? What was what um, was the point of the original name? I um yeah, I I've I can't afford my um ADHD meds right now, so Chris typed this up for me, so I didn't realize. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so we shouldn't switch though, we're good. We're we good? should not switch. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's cool. Okay. You, you can if you want. Yeah, go for it. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna steal Natalie's show here. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna do Natalie. it. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So somebody pick who's gonna be the narrator and stuff. I'm just enjoying narrate? it. I'm just this is for me. I want to be a silly character. I mean, as the producer, maybe <laughs> I should let you guys have the flame. Maybe I should just be the narrator. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, think? yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. What you I thought. Know, <laughs> let you guys kind of yeah. you know <laughs> take <laughs> the stage. <laughs> um. Okay. So where do I find narrator lines? Oh, oh. Anything that's un. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Oh, you got a lot to do. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, no, no, yeah. We don't, you don't have to do the whole thing. It's just like a, a page. I thought I was just going to be like, and then, and yeah, then yeah. you guys take it away. When uh, when the energy is drained from the room, we'll, we'll sense it. It's like, <laughs> usually yeah, a yeah. barometer. Okay. All right. As in the opening sequence, Edward races through the forest, dark trunks strobing past as he picks up speed faster and faster. Bella clings to his back as it seems he'll collide with the trees, but he avoids them with supernatural grace. It's frightening, nauseating, intoxicating. Are you afraid? No. But she clings tighter, terrified. They, claim, they climb an altitude higher and higher above the fog layer. Finally, up ahead, the forest edge fast approaches. A clearing is beyond. The sunlight glows white hot beyond the trees. They're about to emerge from the shadowy darkness, but suddenly... Bella finds herself sitting on the ground against a tree. All is silent. She's dizzy. Tries to regain her equilibrium. Then she realizes she's alone. Edward! Where are you? <laughs> I got a lot of work here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if you need to catch your breath, just... just <laughs> she rises, then steps just beyond the fringe of the ferns into 70 extended um, days... Route seven, a perfect, <laughs> I <Route> 70. 70. <laughs> a perfect circle of swaying grass, wildflowers, and buttery sunlight. Bella looks buttery around. Buttery sunlight. Buttery sunlight. <laughs> Bella looks around and finally sees Edward, his shirt open, standing nearby in the shade of some trees. He watches her cautiously. She takes a step toward him, but he holds up a hand. She waits. Finally, he takes a deep breath and steps out of the shade. This is why we don't show ourselves. As the sun hits him. sunlight. <laughs> that was a big dot, dot, dot. As the sun hits him, Edward's skin literal, literally sparkles, guys, as if embedded with thousands of tiny diamonds. He is magnificent, shimmering, like a statue carved with glittering from glittering crystal. He moves toward her. 
This is what I am. <laughs> he nears, <laughs> clearly expecting her to recoil, but... You're beautiful. <laughs> he realizes that she's in awe. She reaches to touch him, but he immediately backs into the shallows, his skin normal again. Beautiful. I'm a killer, Bella. <laughs> this is the skin of a killer. His arm juts into oh, a shaft racist. of light. <laughs> what color was his skin again? Yeah, thank God he's white. That's all I'm saying. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Sparkling again. I don't believe that. Because you believe the lie. I do. The camouflage. I'm the world's most dangerous predator. Everything about me invites you in. My voice, my face, even my smell. As if I need any of that. He's suddenly behind her, and then in front of her, and then by a tree darting so fast we only see where he lands. As if you could outrun me. <laughs> As if you could fight me off. He abruptly rips off a large tree limb, then throws it against a tree trunk with explosive force. Bella flinches, but holds her ground. Unshakable. I'm designed to kill. I don't care. <laughs> I've killed people. It doesn't matter. I wanted to kill you. I've never, I've never wanted a human's blood so much in my life. I'm dangerous to you. I trust you. Don't. It's like dating a hot bipolar guy. Like, no, don't, don't. I'm dangerous. I trust you, Edward. I'm here. She takes his hand. He reels at the warmth of her touch. She leans in, drawn to him, unaware that her throat is nearing his lips. Then suddenly he's gone. Edward. She. Oh, this is me. She looks over to find he's on the other side of the meadow, catching his breath. You took me by surprise. Collecting himself. <laughs> I don't know how to do this. He moves back toward her slowly. Me and my family, we're different from others of our kind. We're not nomadic. We have a permanent home. We only hunt animals. We've learned to control our thirst. Shaking his head. But you, your scent, it's like a drug to me. My own personal brand of heroin. <laughs> Oh, I thought you hated me when we met. <laughs> I did. For making me want you so badly. I'm still not sure I can control myself. He reaches her again. I know you can. He's utterly vulnerable as he looks at her, searching her face for clues. <laughs> I wish I could understand this thing you see in me. You look at me with those eyes. Frustrated. I can't read your mind. Tell me what you're thinking. I'm afraid. <laughs> Stricken, he sinks gracefully to his knees in the grass. Good. <laughs> <laughs> she sinks down in front of him. Not of that. I'm afraid you'll disappear. That I'll lose you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how long I've looked for you. <laughs> <laughs> they share a smile. Then he reaches toward her neck, pausing. Be very still. She does so. <laughs> Exercising great control, he places his hand on her throat. It's so exposed, so vulnerable. The rush between them is overwhelming, but Bella doesn't move. He brushes his hand up her cheek, then lowers it to her heart. Clouds flow past the sun. They're both overwhelmed, <laughs> taking each other in. And so the lion fell for the lamb. <laughs> Stupid lamb. Sick masochistic lion. <laughs> Crane up on the two of them. Laying together as close as they dare, his hand to his heart, uh, st still in bed, thinking. About three things I was absolutely positive. 
One, Edward was a vampire. She rises, goes to the mirror, looks at herself, worry knitting her brow. Two, there was a part of him that thirsted for my blood. And three... As she moves past her window, something catches her eye, (laughs) causing her to bang into her desk. She looks back out. Edward leans against his car, looking at her with a small smile. She beams at the sight of him. I was falling unconditionally and irrevocably in love with him. Yes! And cut. We did that the was whole fucking thing. phenomenal. Yes, I know that that's the, Thank you. Thank you. Like, that was that. fucking great. Like, yeah. Okay. Um, Is that an actual piece from the book? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And that was supernatural to catch a predator because he's like 200 fucking years old and she's oh, like true. 16. <laughs> like, so I, I've never seen those films. At this scene, have they met already? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, okay. Otherwise, it's super creepy. <laughs> That's why I couldn't look at you and say some of the lines. I'm like, I just met this girl. And I'm yeah. thinking, like, did this vampire just also meet this girl? I mean, Like, I've been kinda. looking for you forever. They yeah. they didn't know each other that long when that happened, I right? Wanted it was to like kill a you. couple 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 weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he was like, I want to murder the fuck out of you. And she's like, bet. <laughs> I want to murder that pussy. <laughs> yeah. She's like, you you could ruin me. <laughs> Go ahead, babe. <laughs> yeah, be honest. With yeah. when you're 200 years old, the amount of game that you have has got to be off the charts. No, but he was yeah, a 200 year old virgin. <laughs> he was like, he was a Edward, virgin. Yeah, <laughs> Edward sucked, dude. Edward, he was. Oh, so you're Team Jacob. You're no, oh God, no. I'm Team Carlisle. <laughs> I'm Team Daddy Doctor. <laughs> no, <laughs> absolutely not Edward, not Jacob either. But like, um, no, and also Carlisle treated Esme like a queen. He didn't run away. He didn't just disappear and leave her. He turned her into a vampire and was like, bitch, you're my wife now. And like, that's all Edward had to do. We could have just cut out so much, so much nonsense. Like yes. her 18th birthday, turn her into a member. She's an adult. It's fine. So what What was the, um, well, that's grooming. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> grooming but, for a vampire. Is there an age cut off? Vampire it, grooming. Is it like a bat mitzvah? Like once you hit 18? I don't know. But he was 17. Oh, bat mitzvah. Bat no. uh, oh. I'm, I'm going to kill myself. At, at, this, at that point, there was really no moral, no moral standpoints with Edward. Like he was already being fucking weird. We couldn't, we can't just be like, and then he made her wait. He made her wait like three years. I think that's worse than the grooming. I think yeah. just like, you know. You know, it's weird because I found with a lot of uh, feminine romantic novels that a lot, not that I've read a bunch, but I've, I've seen, you know, I've watched Fifty Shades of Grey and I've... Um, which was of um, Twilight fan fiction. Those are good books. I did read those. Oh, really? Really? <laughs> it seems like there's this weird obsession, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's, for whatever reason, any story of like a like love that's like so wrong and like he's like, you know, it's like dangerous and like even with the 50, it's like controlling and like shit. It's like, I okay, I'll say this. When I heard about, I always thought it was weird with the R. Kelly thing because it was like this sounds like Fifty Shades of Grey to me. The way it was described, it's like it's like it's a guy who like makes women like live in his house and do all this shit, and people were like fuck R. Kelly as they're like fingering themselves to Fifty Shades of Grey. It's like this this is a weird yeah. thing. Why is it? Apparently, there was another uh, book or movie that my brother was telling me about called Three Hundred Sixty Five Days, where this guy kidnaps a woman. 
and says, you have one year exactly. You're not allowed to leave. And if you're not in love with me by the end of this year, you can leave. But the whole m- movie is Lunatic. him like kidnapping and holding this woman hostage and and make, and make then she falls in love with him at Stockholm the end. Stockholm Syndrome. And it's yeah. like this weird thing. It's like, what is that about the feminine romantic side that like that, that like really touches a nerve with you guys? You're like, yes. Like, is it that he wants you so badly that you're just like, something about the fact that he wants me so bad is just like hot? Yeah, you know? it's like a. And it has to be a hot dude. It's, it's he's bad for everybody else, but he's only good for me, yeah, and that's toxic yeah. as fuck. It is. It's a hundred percent toxic. But it's like it makes you feel special that this guy who's a douchebag. Yes, is like, that was my last relationship. Sorry, that's, that's why, yeah. no, because that's uh, that's been my taste in men forever. Like I always end up going after like the yeah. douchiest guys, literally to the point where people are like laughing at me and like I'm just crying outside of Zismos, and they're like, are. Really? Are you kidding me? <laughs> right, right. Like, like autistic guys um, are my vampire. <laughs> that's unlikable. Really? That's, that's my enemy. Like, really? I'm, I'm, you can't autistic, bring around anybody else. Right. Like, especially during daylight. Autistic like, douchebags. <laughs> fucking used to skateboard. Yeah. Owns yes, three shirts. Can autistic people also be douchebags? Yeah, I guess yes. so. They can. So there's way too many people on the spectrum to assume that they're all nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's this older yeah. fella at work with Velcro shoes. Oh. It's been about six months. We don't talk much. He <laughs> looks at the ground all the time, and I don't know how to handle him. <laughs> but he's a total douche. He might be. He might <laughs> be a douche. The way he talks like, to customers and other people, like if he has something he needs us to do, he walks up to the desk, Drops paperwork <laughs> down. He's like, I need that done by today. And he is not our boss. Wow. He is a he does the same shit we do. And I keep asking my coworkers, and they're like, it's not a big deal. And I'm like, it's a huge deal. Because yeah. if he is on the spectrum and something's wrong, yeah. I'm gonna approach this differently. If this dude's just a jerk off in Velcro yeah. shoes, we have to have a talk. If this dude's just you know a guy I mean? that can't tie his shoes, I'm not taking orders from him. Get right. some slip-on well, bands, motherfucker. Orders, just like, dude, chill out. Like, be friendly. What's your deal? But yeah. if that is someone on the spectrum, that same approach is super offensive. That and could, I would feel like a jerk-off. That could be a part. So I need his medical records. <laughs> I need to see. You need the certificate that says he does not have donkey brains. Right. Or, or he does. I'm cool with either one. I'm cool either way. I just need to know so I know how to handle it. Well, in the story of Twilight, Jacob, as I recall, when I, I used to be Team Jacob because believe it or not, I used to kind of resemble him a little bit when I was like 19. I was That's like, exactly hell yeah, that what guy I was thinking. I was, I was like, like Dude, you this, just look like Jacob. I was like, fuck yeah, Team Jacob. Baby. But like, it was kind of like he was supposed to be like the like ripped hot guy that. That was like the one. But I feel like if you really analyze the book series, most uh, people would be like, wait, actually, Edward is the like bad guy. Like Jacob's just like a regular teenager who just likes a chick and happens to not enjoy full moons or whatever. But like, (laughs) you know, like this guy is just like this guy's an actual, you know, morally speaking, he's a predator. Like he has the body of a 17 year old. But that's like saying like. Oh, I'm 30. I look I could I look like I could pull a still an 18-year-old, so maybe I will. It's like, well, that's kind of I don't know. I'm mentally 30. <laughs> well, and also didn't Jacob in the in the last I, I didn't read the last book, but didn't he imprint on Renezme? Yes. Okay. On their infant daughter. Yes. Yeah, so like so I actually have a whole stand-up bit about that, which is so fun. But um like he imprints on the newborn baby. Like as soon as he sees her. 
he like has that happen. It's like this like soul bond and everything. And like they try to justify it by saying the imprinting isn't inherently sexual. But I have some issues with this because the leader of the wolf gang, Sam, left Sam. he left the woman that he was like with and in love with because he imprinted on somebody else. And it's like, okay. Well, if imprinting isn't sexual and it doesn't mean you have to like be romantically involved with that person, why couldn't he have just mm. been with that other girl and been like imprinted to this other woman? Why but explain what is that? Imprinting? Can it, you explain that? So it's like a um, it's a it's <laughs> werewolf lore that these wolves have like it's like a soul connection it's like it's almost like falling in love essentially and you're just like tied to them you feel their emotions and like you're just like I guess like stuck taking care of this person and being obsessed with this person for your entire life codependency yeah yeah and you can't choose who you imprint on. You just look at this person, you know, and it's like That's an another thing about thing. it's creepy. Um, it's like what? about like paranormal romances is um, they take the choice away a lot. It's always like some yeah. prophecy. It's always non consensual, yeah. like destiny or something. Like yeah, interesting. <laughs> but, um, Weird. So uh, spoiler alert, but I I gotta be honest. I'm never gonna read this series. Um, who who what what winds up happening? They get married. They they wind up dating. They wind up. She becomes a vampire. What goes on? Bella and Edward get mm-hmm. married because she's like, turn me into a vampire. And he's like, not until we're married, which, okay. Uh, like okay, one of those is a little bit more permanent than marriage, yeah. buddy. Yeah. Um, so death to us part kind of doesn't really so have the same ring exclusive. there. 18 years old, this girl has the most extravagant wedding and <laughs> marries a vampire. And then he like gets her pregnant on their honeymoon while she's still a human because the ocean water where they were vacationing for their honeymoon in the tropics was so warm that it apparently reawakened his semen to get her pregnant. But the pregnancy was so brutal that it fucking killed her, dude. So this baby is like a half-human, half-vampire baby. She's drinking blood like the whole fucking pregnancy. And she's still human. And then the baby like basically kills her. She goes into labor, she has the baby, and she's like fucking dead. So they're like biting her and like putting all the vampire stuff in her. And then she turns into a vampire. It's great. There's a battle. There's a big old, big old war that the werewolves help them with. Okay. Because the government, the vampire government, the Volturi, gotcha. is like, hey, you turned a fucking kid into a vampire, and that's against our laws. You guys are like, we're going to murder you. And they're like, no, no. We just had a child and they're like that doesn't make any fucking sense and like the whole audience is like yeah no it really doesn't it makes no fucking <laughs> sense like, so That's like weird. then they like the whole breaking dawn part two is the vampires going and finding a bunch of other vampires and like trying to be like tell their side of the story to like build their own army against the Volturi, like a bunch of people that believe them and support them and then the Volturi shows up it's fucking crazy. There's werewolves there. The baby is like 10 years old now because <laughs> yeah, like she's growing at a super fast rate. And then like well, so at the last because of hormones. Yeah. Right. Uh, at the last minute, this like 40 year old dude shows up and he's like, I was once a child vampire. But look at me now, an adult. And they're like, oh, oh OK. And then the Volturi just kind of fucks off. It's really I'm like that. That's what happens. <laughs> okay and then um i 
I guess I know there's like a clip of like Renezme as an adult running through the woods with Jacob. So I guess they end up together. Um, Edward and Bella probably end up staying together. I, I can't imagine they would break up after all the shit they've been through. Um, wow. I like to think like the werewolf vampire trope of like them always being at war is like um, stand up comics and improvisers like how yeah you know, like it were. But then you have some hybrids that are like do both. You do it. Like mm-hmm. yeah, and they are, are the they powerful vamp- ones. Vampiric werewolves is that a thing? Um, it it it's a thing in like lore and legends. There's like in the originals they have half vampire, half humans. Um, most of the time they start as werewolves and then get turned into vampires. Okay, oh, yeah. and you said your um, godfather helped with that. that yes, yeah, he did. That. He was kind of a part of like the fact checking and everything, trying to make things as authentic as possible while um, keeping it entertaining. I mean, there's still some fabrications and everything. He couldn't change everything, but Hollywood is Hollywood, and the CW is a nightmare itself. They made Gossip Girl, so <laughs> yeah. we couldn't really rely on them for too much. <laughs> Fucking love Gossip Girl. <laughs> That um getting pregnant through like warm water thing is because I'm because I was um I was never a chick, but I was at one point Maybe in my life, life a certified simp, and so when I was in high school, uh, obviously the girl that I was into was also in high school, which means she was into Twilight and Glee, yeah, and so in both of those feature films, uh, there apparently is a trope because in Glee there was a whole thing about that too. Yeah, because um, in Glee, the girl like cheated on her boyfriend and got pregnant with his best friend's baby. Mm. And then she lied to him and was like, yeah, you got me pregnant through the hot tub when you <laughs> pre-came in the hot tub one night. The wow. semen swam into my vagina and got me pregnant. He fucking believed it for like a while. Then, then the actor died of a heroin overdose oh. in Canada. Oh, shit. Hey, it's it's the Glee curse. Like half of that fucking yeah. cast is dead, which is just yeah. bizarre. Like I don't yeah. know, it's so crazy. Glee, Jesus Christ. Oh, Ryan Murphy, hire me, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be an American Horror Story so bad. <laughs> oh yeah, I never really watched that, but yeah, it's supposed to be good. Yeah, just start with Coven. That's all you need to do. Agreed. Coven and Murder House. Well, Coven, Murder House, and Hotel are the best ones. You didn't like the first couple seasons? Well, okay, Murder House and Coven. Okay, so Murder House is season one. I thought Asylum was good, but it's not one that like. I mean, it's it's good, but it's so. It's so brutal and so bloody and violent that it kind of is like it feels like it's a whole different thing. It's more Coven shocking. Is, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. It's like a scary movie. Zachary Quinto plays a serial killer in it though, so it's phenomenal. What was the one with the? Uh, so you didn't like the circus freaks one? Oh no, that was one of my least favorite ones. That was rough. I would agree, but Twisty was probably one of my favorite characters. And then they like ever. They cut him so quick though, and they, he could have been so scary throughout. But then they were like, let's focus on Dandy. Like, god damn it, well, I don't want to focus on Dandy. They made him terrifying the first few episodes, and then they told that story of like how he came to be. He was. Uh, Back then, what they called like a pinhead, yeah, you know what I mean, and worked at the circus, and people like made a lie that he was touching kid, like you felt for him, yeah. Not saying he should have killed those kids and kept them in a cage, <laughs> but there was a moment when you're hearing this story, yeah. and then he goes to kill himself in the shed, and he only shoots the bottom part of his mouth off, which is actually pretty realistic. Fifteen percent of self-inflicted gunshot wounds are not successful. And a lot of that goes into the weapon you use. If you use a shotgun, there's a 
pretty big chance that you're not gonna it's hard to miss <laughs> yeah but you might hit in the wrong places and you <laughs> might fucking survive so it's crazy it's a big reason I don't think Kurt Cobain killed himself big mm. shotguns oh, okay, shotgun. okay. Uh-uh. I'm with you on that especially I, with that much heroin in your system they're operating that. a shotgun on heroin <laughs> my god is that still debated often I honestly have been debated with it a few times. Like some people, like one time somebody said the mob killed Kurt Cobain. <laughs> and I was like, why would the mob kill Kurt Cobain? It was obviously Courtney Love. Like there's, there are so many conspiracies at this point with it that it's just like the actual, like legitimate one is just, that's just the truth at this point. Right. Like, but the public narrative, no, I thought the public accepted thing was that he killed himself. I, I mean, like, I guess, like, well, I guess, like, so? the, the. Do you guys want to ask the tarot card? Established. Let's, let's ask the tarot card. <laughs> let's ask the tarot card. The establishment <laughs> narrative, let's say. Because I feel like people are like, yeah, Kurt Cobain killed himself, but did he? Is usually the next follow up question. So it kind of makes me feel like people haven't really accepted that he killed himself. Yeah. Because every single time you bring it up, it's like, mm, like, Bud Dwyer, like, we know he killed himself. He shot himself on camera. Mm hmm. But, you know, Kurt Cobain. Oh, he definitely killed himself. Yeah. That was... But uh, Kurt Cobain, I mean, he was pretty obviously very depressed, though, right? I mean, but... Yeah, but I mean, so am I. I'm not killing myself anytime soon. Maybe. Once yeah. I yeah. saw the uh, the documentary with that El Chapo guy, and he was like, yeah, Courtney Love gave us, you know, $20,000 to kill Kurt Cobain. Typical white man, I made up my mind at that moment. <laughs> Never looked back. That was it. Dude. And I was like, yeah, for sure. That. that makes the most sense. I have no reason. So El, was it, it, was the, it was the Latino mob. Well, no. His, he was <laughs> in some kind of like punk band. I don't uh, want to say like the wrong name and, you know, uh, put someone on blast accidentally. But he was in some punk band up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pearl Jam. It was Eddie Vedder. Hey, yo. Eddie Vedder went and killed Only one of us can sing that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was getting a little uh, saturated with guys that sang like that. Somebody did have to go, to be yeah. fair. It shouldn't have been Kurt. In my opinion, maybe he took that. You maybe you we were on something. He was depressed. Maybe he took that L and volunteered and was like, mm. "All right, guys, I'll be the one. I'll go." Yeah. Now, that could have been it. Could have been a voluntary suicide. Like, yeah, but like music is it like um, the fuck is it called? Um, where like Japanese people. Where they? Oh, is uh, uh Harikari, Kamikaze, Kamikaze, like a musician, Kamikaze, <laughs> Sapuku, Sapuku. That's like the the knowledgeable person term. I always thought it was just Harry Carey. I mean, I've looked it up because I've been interested in okay. attempting that Sapuco. myself. Yeah, Sapuku. Sapuku. <laughs> because I have no honor, so <laughs> <laughs> I figured that would be a way to go. <laughs> yeah, dude. That I mean, that is, if anything, that's an honorable way to do it. That's like a fucking intense. I respect the Japanese because it's like when they get old, they just go to the woods. They're just like, yeah. <laughs> Dude, there's this one thing they do, not to get too far off track, but kind of they're, they they like self mummify themselves. Like I, re- I read up on this one thing. When I say read, I mean watch a YouTube video about it because that's <laughs> the modern definition of reading. Um, and they like basically like these monks will like go off into the woods and just like eat like a very specific diet of like certain types of plants or whatever that like basically like formaldehyde their body. And then they just like lock themselves in a cave and just like they die, but they don't actually die. They become like these weird things. And apparently they found some guy that had lived for like 180 years in this state before he died like 100 years ago. But that was like the last known attempt at this thing. But it was like this thing they would do. 
Whoa. Which begs the question, why? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and what's why? your mental state like at that point? Does your brain shut down? Like, it's just because your heart's beating, you're not alive. I mean. Yeah, I think they become, yeah, they literally become one with the earth again. They become one with the earth. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. The earth literally grows into them. They don't really die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's like, dude, we had an old way of doing that. It's called fucking dying. <laughs> <laughs> Ever heard of it? Pretty easy. Everyone does it. With the population problem and so many people like in jail for life, we should start looking into that. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we need to do something. We need and to do you something. can't let one person decide because then it'll just be yeah. become Especially not yeah, a Japanese murder person. Because they're going to come up with some weird ideas. <laughs> right. Weird right. but efficient. <laughs> <laughs> but that would work. And we got it. Yeah, we can't keep burying all these people. Yeah. They're dying. Mm-hmm. We can't throw them in the ocean. At least not in the way that we do it. Because it's just right. like back in the day, burying somebody wasn't a big deal. They weren't filled with all the chemicals and they weren't put in a big vault that keeps your body preserved in a $7,000 casket that keeps your body preserved. Like if you opened up like. JFK's tomb with all of the stuff it's because it's the same thing his body would look exactly how it did whenever the mortician laid him down it's fucking crazy yeah that shouldn't be happening we should like we shouldn't be doing that because especially not with everybody because it takes up so much land and I mean it's just like I'm a big Mm. green burial person like no formaldehyde or it's it's not technically formaldehyde embalming fluids different stuff but you know, no embalming fluid. Keep your blood. Feed the earth. Uh, like green burials are dope because they like just wrap you in a cloth and they put you in a in a little hole. It's nice. Yeah. It's a. It's it's not something that people do though because they're like, oh, I can't imagine my like loved one being eaten by the earth. And it's like I just want my kids to snort my ashes so that I'm inside <laughs> them. Like, yeah, I think my kids would do that. I, I, at least my oldest probably would. He would be like, all right. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely big on cremation. If there's any town that knows burying is not the way to go, it's New Orleans. I mean, you guys, you know, your dad would know about that. Your godfather. <laughs> Above ground so cemeteries, right? A big thing about that is it's actually really, really efficient because the above ground mausoleums in the summer, they get up to oven temperatures to the mm-hmm. point where they turn your body into essentially like human beef jerky. <laughs> and then after a year in a New Orleans mausoleum, they will crush up the rest of your remains with what they use to crush up the bones in like a cremation, same thing. Mm-hmm. It's just a big metal rod and they sweep you out and put another body in. So, so I would be down for that. Instead of like fire broiling you, they kind of slow roast you. Yeah. And then it's like human it's like, what's the point? Like even with like cemeteries, it's like unless you're rich or a president in, in, 80 years or 100 years when nobody is left from your ancestry that gives a fuck about you, they're going to dig your body up and then burn you. So it's just like now you're just talking like that's the fate of all of us. Archie, a guy named Archie Jameson. I don't know if you I don't know if you were in the scene when he was in the scene, but he was in four and a half stars. You remember Archie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And he used to work at a cemetery and he said a major part of his job was doing exhumings. And you just like somebody, you know, somebody stops playing at a certain point. Well, you know, if I die when I'm 80 and I have grandkids and then within 80 years, those people are dead. Like, am I going to keep let's be honest. Am I am I am I going to remember to pay my great great grandmother's fucking plot bill? No, I'm fucking not. I don't, I don't even know. Where know my- I wouldn't even know where to find her. <laughs> no, no. So idea. they're going to dig her ass up and burn whatever's left. And that's that. 
So it's like, why not just do it now? And that way nobody has to go to your funeral and be like, he looks just like him. It's like, you know who looked like just like me? Me when I was alive. So leave it at fucking that. I'm not a big fan of the burials, dude. My grandfather just passed away recently. And I was like, I don't fucking, that's not him. It's not him. You know what I'm supposed to do? Talk to him? Was it was it Your an dead, open bro? casket? Yeah. Was it good? He's fucking well, Greek, so of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did everybody go and like kiss the corpse? That's like the weirdest fucking... I'm like, oh, God, you want to touch it? You want to touch I the... Saying, I wouldn't even kiss you like that if you were alive. <laughs> right? <laughs> you got a lot. You're asking a tall order if you want me to do when you're dead. Right? Also, like, don't... I, when I'm dead, I don't want people putting their lips on me like that. Like, no, get away yeah. from me. I have enough issues with people touching me now. Like, yeah, like they, they just wouldn't do it right. Like I, they wouldn't get my hair right. I know for a fact. And like, not that I got it right today, but usually I do it pretty well. And like, also there's like a very, every person has like a very specific face that they make to look good. And I know they're not going to make me have that face when I do it. <laughs> like this guy, you got to like make sure my fucking smolder me a little bit. I'm not, you know, I'm trying to be hot. I thought of the, <laughs> I thought of the solution to all these all these problems. I want to be taxidermed. Oh, and then have animatronics oh. installed so I can greet you Polite. as you come to the party. Yes, I already have a playlist of about fourteen thousand songs. I was telling Sam about, so it's gonna take. Probably two, three days of celebrating. Yeah, uh, that's your will. It's not even a. It's not even a will. It's just a pl- it, Spotify playlist. As <laughs> as long as my Oma has passed, whenever this happens, then I will do it. Yeah, I think if Oma's alive, uh, she'd be too sad. Everyone's grandmother is the main thing that's keeping us from just getting. I think cremated. I think everyone's grandmother doesn't want that. I know my grandmother does. So as long as I outlive my grandmother, you know. <laughs> my grandmother would probably have a heart attack if she saw my taxidermed I think most people would. B- body. <laughs> no, I think my friends would be like, yeah, this <laughs> fucking checks out. Exactly. This, this rules. Makes sense. <laughs> He's been talking <laughs> about it since high funeral. school. <laughs> that, Do, I always like said the two greatest parties I'll ever have are like my wedding when I like get like married married mm-hmm. and my funeral. And I'm not yeah. going to get to be at one of those like in the flesh. <laughs> well, now apparently you will be at both in the flesh. Gotta become the greatest party will be my so funeral because I'll finally it. be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Time to celebrate <laughs> the release. <laughs> but yeah, sorry. I'm, I I know we were talking about vampire lore, but um, we were just briefly talking about um, I re- real vampires do exist, and um, they're called entertainers, <laughs> yes. creative people. Yes. <laughs> Energy vampire. Could I vamp a cig off you, please? Mm-hmm. And the letter. Let me double vamp you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how do you how do you guys feel about that? Like, do you think that um there can be like good energy vampires or? Uh, you mean like people that like blow blood into you uh-huh. metaphorically? <laughs> um, I think that the term vampire pretty much has become colloquially my favorite word very to nice pronounce yeah. correctly <laughs> eyebrow wiggle uh, <laughs> um colloquially uh, synonymous with someone who feeds off the life force of others so i don't know if there's any reverse vampires i think that's just called being a good person <laughs> um uh you know that being said yeah i don't i don't know i don't i don't i don't think so i think there's definitely i think a lot of entertainers i mean if you really think about it um so much of entertainment is this kind that kind of thing because it's like if you're if you're a, if you're a, an a person who's not a performing artist then you look at it as like they're giving me something 
and I get benefit from that. But anybody who's on the artist side of it knows it's really about you need this validation, and so you're the one that like is constantly trying to validate yourself and prove yourself to yourself and using other people's energy as the currency for that. And so in a weird way, it's like the, the, the relationship is parasitic only if you suck. <laughs> if you're good... Then that's just life. Yeah, you're Everything. a vampire only like, if you yeah, suck. Okay. It's like, yeah. I want something from you, and you get these jokes, huh? What's going on? I think there could be positive energy vampires. I yeah. mean, I think, like, a lot of times I feel like with energy vampires, like, in the legitimate lore, most of them don't know. You know, it's just like... um it can be like a way that people describe like depression, like, oh, you're depressed because you haven't been like around things or around people and those types of things. And it's like, oh, you're lacking energy and you want to kill yourself and you look bad and you have no energy. Mm, mm-hmm. I wonder. But, you get um, no hose and you have no fucking front. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I think like a lot of it is like maybe involuntary. Like they don't realize they're like draining the whole room and then it happens and they're like, well, fuck. I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to see the benefit of the doubt. Like give them like, ah, oh, give the vampires props. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally think I am one uh, an energy vampire because I'm a person who writes jokes, but I take things very literally myself. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think that I, again, I think going back to that principle, it's like you know, what's the difference between a parasite and a um, just like a you know, everybody has mutual exchange. Like like if I go to a pizza place and give them money for a pizza, that's not a parasitic relationship. If I go there and get a free pizza. That's a parasitic relationship. That's pretty privilege. That's, that's pretty <laughs> privilege. So it's like the only difference between a, a, a vampire and a non-vampire is are you giving anything back? And I think that there's definitely people that like they, they do just you feel it when you're around them. And it, it, it like it, it's almost when they it, it's kind of like this thing where it's like the when I think of it, it's like they don't allow like sudden sucking the energy out of the room is the way people put it but it almost feels like when I'm around a person like that it's like I don't feel like I'm allowed to be me and when I feel like like if I can't make certain types of jokes or if I can't talk about certain things and it's like you have sucked the life force out of me and now I'm I'm existing on your terms Mm -hmm. and that is draining to me so it's like I think when people kind of like they take command of a room but not in like a good like for instance like I um, when I'm like at a gathering or like a party or something like that, I get like immense social anxiety because I almost feel weirdly responsible for everyone's good time. Like if I'm like a party and like uh, there's yeah. like there's like silence in the room, I'm like, well, time to this is somehow my <laughs> fault that everyone's bored. Like I don't want anyone to have a bad time in my company. So now I have to like, but it's like, but then there's other people that are almost like the opposite where they're like. Why are you guys having such a good time? In my company? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, especially in comedy. They're like, are you having a nice, happy moment? Are you having a friendly conversation right now? You should fucking die. Like, yeah. what? Or they'll be like, wow, Natalie, you're in such a good mood. And I'm like, yes. And they're like, you shouldn't be. Right, you, right. Need, you need to take it down. Like, oh. I'm happy. Leave me alone. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm always told that like I'm too much or like never, you know, enough. It's like, yeah. Too like, much or never enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's like so emo. I'm going to slash my wrist. Ain't we all though. But yeah, but, but Chris was saying he doesn't want to do stand up anymore because he feels like it's too like egocentric. But I really truly believe that 
you're trying to make people laugh. It, it does come from a place of ego, but but you do want to make people feel good and you do want to make people happy. Like it's not entirely selfish, but so the preface what she already said. <laughs> um for me only, I don't think stand anyone who does stand up is like an egomaniac. I, I used to be <laughs> yeah. an egomaniac. You were talking about like going to the party and making sure everyone's entertained. I'm not going to take up all your time, but in 2006, I broke seven bones in one jump sober because the five people that were there were just fucking lame. And they're like, we don't know what to do. I'm like, I'm going to jump out this fucking window. <laughs> and they're like, would you really do that? And then in my brain, I was like, oh, shit, it's happening. Yeah, now you got to do it. And I was, uh, I was a horrible singer in a band for like three years. What band? Zero Impact. Zero Impact. Oh, you we guys named yourself that. like Maryland. <laughs> we were only, it was not successful on any level. Well, at least you named it properly. Thank you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just so kidding. I, I did at one point in my life have that, hey, everyone, shut the fuck up. Listen to me. Look at me. But all the mushrooms over all the years, mm -hmm. it took that away. And then I tried stand up for the first time back in August. And I don't have enough of that left. Yeah. It might be in there. I could work at it. But I'm also, you know, I'm 39. I have a boring career. I live alone. Like, everything's fine. Yeah. And stand-up, as much as I'm a fan of it, it seemed to be more stressful than yeah. beneficial. Mm -hmm. One of the first things I said on stage, because uh, the first joke bombed, that got a laugh was, uh, I don't give a fuck if you people laugh or not. I'm going home and eating ice cream either way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, that's true because I'm old. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And I've met all these young, ambitious, ambitious comics, and they have, like, I don't know, they put so much into it. And I think I'm better off as a fan or, like, behind the scenes doing shit like this, like, hanging out, getting to yeah. talk to people. I think there that is a thing about, you know, what you'll notice with just aging in general is you kind of, your, your sphere of how much you give a shit about kind of closes in because you have more and more actual real shit to care about. Like, when For you have sure. kids, then it's like, you know, it's like, okay, like, Oh my God, this random people at this bar didn't think I was funny, but like I have a family and kids. So what are you going to fucking do? You're a loser. And I'm, you have to be a good role model for your kids. You have yeah. to teach them how to lose. Like whenever, <laughs> if you have a shitty set, that's a good teaching moment for your kids to be like, look, not every night's a winner, buddy. T-ball will be okay. <laughs> but there is, there is a certain element of like, of like that you touched on, which is the tapping into the idea. It's like people would be like, oh, like, you know, somebody's running for president. Like, oh, they have it like when they were talking about Trump. It was like, he's got such a big ego. It's like, let's just take a step. Anybody who thinks they should be the president has an ego, yeah, obviously. <laughs> Anyone who's looking at the country and goes, I got this. I, can I got this. It's like, so there is a certain amount of, of ego that goes along with anything performative or anything expressionary. It's like, what makes you think that whatever is going on in your mind, whether it be musical expression or comedy or anything, is worth other people's time? So there is a certain element of ego to that, but the the conundrum there is, you know, it is necessary. Like people need that, you know, like Absolutely. people. So so with even just like the same way with like the the vampiristic thing we were talking about, where it's like if you're taking something away from somebody, not giving it back, then it becomes a parasitic thing. But it's like, you know, we also society does need people that are willing that that have that in them to be like, no, I feel like you motherfuckers should hear what I have to say, <laughs> you know, because a lot of people are looking for someone to tell them. 
you know, they're looking for that. A lot of people don't have that. So I think in a weird way, it's almost in a reverse way, it's almost like a responsibility to say that, which sounds egotistical to say. <laughs> no, but I think like I think ego ne- doesn't necessarily have to be a negative thing. Like if your ego and you're being a douchebag, like bringing other people down with it, then that's the bad side of being ego. But you know, having a good ego, having a good self esteem, and being like, I know what I bring to the table, and I think it's fucking awesome, is. It can be healthy, but as long as you don't, I mean, let everybody affect your ego and, you know, use it in a bad way. I think having an ego can kind of just keep you going throughout the day because you're like, if you care about yourself, you don't let yourself fall apart, you know? Mm. that's kind of how I think about it like I think if you have a healthy ego it's fine and that's kind of where it goes with the energy vampires where it's like they don't necessarily have to be negative and draining and make you want to kill yourself but they might be a little draining (laughs) oh no I make myself want to kill myself (laughs) right like yeah no I like I do that for myself it's fine (laughs) if they're also make me kill myself it's gonna be me yeah yeah I'm gonna win (laughs) my mom my mom gave me a good head start with the ego thing in sixth grade uh I remember asking her if I could dye my hair green and without missing a beat, she said, if you want to look like an asshole, that's on you. <laughs> Don't come to me complaining. Yeah. Uh, people are going to pick on you and, like, you know, talk shit. But if you want to do it, go ahead. Yeah. So I got to start puberty with kind of this, like, go fuck yourself attitude already. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that, you know, refined. Yeah. Uh, I was definitely an idiot finding my way. But, mm-hmm. it, uh, yeah, people gave so much of a shit about what other people were thinking. And I just wasn't tuned into that from like yeah. early on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. so jealous of that. <laughs> it was super, uh, it, I, I was raised by young people uh, who kind of talk to us like adults. You know what that I mean? Is the, so. <laughs> that is the best way, you know, I've talked um, just- In to, hindsight, it seemed horrible at the time. <laughs> well, but that that's the best way to prepare people for reality. You know, like I always yeah. say, like all my friends that were like, I, I always use the example of drugs and the way parents deal with that topic with their children. And one of the main differences between the way I was raised and, and a lot of my friends, you know, growing up in Towson, like there, there is a um, large echelon community is very like kind of sheltered and stuff like that. And their parents kind of take the traditional kind of like, no, all weed is terrible. Like, no, don't ever touch it. And then the way you're educated in school is this thing to kind of tell you, like, all drugs are bad. Like, fucking don't do this. Don't do that. Dare to not do fucking drugs. And then it's like what happens is inevitably when, when people are constantly like selling you that pitch and then you smoke weed with your friends and you're like, <laughs> I'm not I don't think I can fly right now I, I'm just having a good time like maybe all that shit was bullshit and then you start to think you're just like dude like that was fucking and then they go off the fucking rails versus with me it was like my parent my dad was like Jim d- drugs are fun like why do you think people destroy their lives over it because it's fun and so when I was exposed to that from a very young age I understood I was like yeah this probably would be fun as shit for me to start like popping pills and like doing drugs and stuff like, and some of which I not pills but like cocaine i've done weed and acid all that shit and it's like as long as you have that a realistic relationship with that then it can prepare you it's like when people shelter you from like you know like if your mom was like i think you should go and dye your hair green and if anybody has a problem with it then they that's on them and it's like no <laughs> like she's being realistic it's her. like look you're a fucking teenager you want to do something to like you know you want to like you know get people's attention and like just so you know, not, all, not all good attention not all attention is good attention and like you know Maybe you're not meant to have green hair, you know? Maybe this is something you have to learn on your own, you know? And I I ran with it. 
Which is why I'm an avid supporter of bullying. I think it is. Yeah, to an extent. So bullying, I don't mean to cut you off, but I have 14 nieces and nephews. Recently, the bullying thing came up. It is different than what we were used to because their bullying is like constant on the phone mm-hmm. by like multiple people talking shit. Yeah. Our bullying was like, oh, fuck, I don't want to, you know, go to whatever period and see yeah. who the fuck ever. Uh, but no, it's nonstop for them. It's They're constantly getting, and granted, it's a text message, not a punch. But, but it's, it's, I felt like I judged it too harshly. The problem is there's no escape from, uh, you know, the differences in, like, you said you're 39? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm 30. So we're about, yeah, about 9, 10 years apart. And, like, so you were out of high school completely, I think, by time social media kind of took over. Yeah. Like, you graduated, what, 01? Didn't. Okay, well, you would early. your class would have uh, been 01. 02. Okay, so you were, but you dropped out, what, 2000 probably or something yeah. like that? Okay, so MySpace didn't really kick off until 06, but even at that time, okay, so I was in middle school in 2005, 2006, and, like, we came up at a time where, like, the internet was still the internet and real life was real life. And so, like, I mean, you could go back on most people my age's Facebooks and MySpace and just see some crazy shit we used to say because it was we kind of looked at it as like a forum, like this weird Internet forum that like it didn't what you did on MySpace didn't actually count in real life. Correct. Obviously, that had to be the mentality considering all the embarrassing shit we did on MySpace. But then this weird kind of like converging of the two got to this point, luckily, after I was out. But the generation behind me were like. Now the internet is synonymous with real life. And so now if you're being bullied at school, it doesn't end when you go back home and play right. baseball with your neighborhood friends. It is this persistent, constant thing, you know? And then it's all, I don't know. It's like, I mean, I guess, it, I don't know. I, I mean, bullying, yeah. At the same time, it's like, I don't know. I don't know where to go with that. I don't really know what to think about that. I mean, obviously, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with people giving you shit and then learning from a young age that like this is how life is like you're gonna you're gonna fucking get picked on in middle school by some douchebag and then you're either gonna have to stand up or take it but then when you're 30 and that same douchebag is picking on you at your job where you're gonna let him fuck your wife now like what do you like these are these are real adult things like where a guy completely just fucking just bitches you and now you're the kind of guy who's like i don't wanna and then it's like so you learn that and then then what happens then your life winds up way fucking shittier because you never learned how to cope with with any type of pushback or adversity you know, so we're training people to be, yeah, you know, my wife's fucking the neighbor now, you I, know, because I'm a bitch. I do think a lot of it has helped being more like confrontational verbally, though. So because like, I mean, people will just fucking roast each other and just like go in on you each other yourself, online. You roast yourself, which is hilarious. Oh, I love yes, your, I yeah, I love, uh, yeah, that, that's, I love your. I am the meanest of, like, person your, to me. <laughs> but I, I think that's like a great way of like going back though and like healing like your inner child and, you know, like looking back and, you yeah. know. My Facebook memories, God, because I, um, so I was a addict from the age of 14 to 17. I was addicted to ecstasy, which let's be honest, amphetamines. <laughs> amphetamines meth you know whatever whatever the fuck was in there um and so many focus focus. so many of my (laughs) posts were just me just fucking fucked up out of my mind and my parents had no idea and i'm like how how i'm looking at my facebook statuses there was one where um i took acid 
and I was like 15 years old and I watched a plastic bag transform kind of into a turtle for like 30 seconds and then you know it went back and I went off to do something else on acid because things like that and I posted about it on Facebook because of course I fucking did and no one no one in my family said anything I don't know but um, back to the bullying thing I wish I would have been bullied more people were just cool with it I was like what the fuck Um, but like I don't know. I think that um, the social media bullying and everything that kids have to deal with, it it definitely teaches you um, in the most fucked up way that not everybody is going to like you and you just need to be okay with that. And like either people are going to accept that that is the fact or not. And I think that being on the internet and just being forced to deal with that reality is, oh, it's kind of beneficial because, I mean, I don't like everybody I meet. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily bullying everybody I meet. I low-key, but... (laughs) (laughs) But, like... You know, it, it's it's realistic. It's realistic to kind of bully people and like yeah. not to the point where, you know, like in like 80s movies and shit, but I, not. Especially in the comedy world because like com- comedians just, yeah, love to talk shit. But like the thing is, yeah, I was like, I, I used to get like really triggered easily and I think I can tell the difference now between like a playful roast and then the people that like legitimately just like, yeah. Well, the comedy world's a perfect example of that because so much of what goes on, at least from an outsider perspective, is like this weird type of like, like, you know, Baltimore seems to have this kind of like clicky type of thing where it's like, you know, there's like this scene and there's like that scene and it's like, you know what I mean? It's just like, it, it, it's just like people like telling people like, oh, like you make these type of jokes. You're not allowed, you're not doing this. And then like people get like fucking stressed about it. Like, oh no, this fucking stupid improv person doesn't think that I'm allowed to fucking <laughs> do my thing. It's like, and it like, I don't know. It, that is bullying. And it's like, you're letting, you're letting them you're letting them kind of bully you to when you're now you're just doing what you think is funny and you have your own group of people that also think it's funny and now you're letting them tell you and like you know now you're not getting booked at shows and shit like that because they run that room and stuff yeah. it's like that's always that is that is what bullying is as an adult it's like gatekeeping that's yeah. what it becomes. Bullying becomes gatekeeping. You know, when you're in high school, it's you can't go to these parties and you can't do this. But when you're an adult, it's like, oh, you can't work here. You can't do this. You can't say that. And it's like, it becomes a bigger thing. And if you never learn how to deal with it, then you wind up in that situation where now you're watching everything you do because some fucking asshole on the same level as you has somehow assumed the role of dictating what's cool and what's not cool. Uh-huh. It's like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> you're a loser too, bro. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, I don't know. It's nice to find your tribe in comedy. It's nice to fit in with the people and everything I, it does feel just so much like high school though especially because it's like it's when you're newer to the scene and you start making friends with people they're like oh you're friends with that person well let me yeah. tell you these terrible facts about them and why you shouldn't be <laughs> yeah, friends yeah, with them and it's like go away like let me make my decisions for myself <laughs> and like I want to make these mistakes but I don't know it's just um, a lot of it is like the bullying I that not that I was yeah mine is mostly just about my friend choices that is where like most of the comics are so mean to me because it'll just be like how dare you be friend with this person that I'm not cool with I'm like your personal issues (laughs) have nothing to do with me but like a lot of bullying is just pushing your personal issues on somebody else and just being like well this is what we're doing and that's the thing too like people can't uh, oh yeah 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 um, care for some whiskey 
But yeah, um, I only have two shot glasses. Oh, actually, oh, can shit. we can we I run into some, some more of your solo cups, perhaps? But um, yeah, the, about around here and stuff. It's like I, I, this past year has been the worst fucking year of my entire life, and um, I've had a a courtroom full of people tell me that I'm an unfit mother. So I don't care who thinks I'm an unfit comedian. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I get, I get. It's almost liberating, you know, to like just yeah. <laughs> I and, love that. I like that mentality. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and again, it's, it's not like high school for me because I actually kind of feel like I have friends now. Like I had no friends in high school. I was like, <laughs> so it's actually moving on up. <laughs> As someone who's also uh, more in the outside than I am the inside, for sure. Uh, I have to agree with everything you said, man. Like, ever, like you're all trying to do the same thing, right? Everyone's up there. Try and do their version of funny. Yeah. And for other people to be like, well, that fucking person was terrible. Yeah. Were they? Yeah. Like, terrible. Maybe they weren't your kind of funny. Yeah. It, it's a, a similar thing with the metal in Baltimore. I'm not a fan of metal necessarily, but I have a lot of friends in the local bands, and they'll like, we'll be at a show and they're talking shit on, you know, whatever crazy band. And they're like, man, they fucking suck. And I just look at them like, dude, this sounds exactly like your band. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you even tell the difference? Yeah. There's just, I don't know if it's a Baltimore thing. Well, I actually. But there's just no uh, sense of community past like an establishment or a neighborhood. We had some, uh, I forgot who was on the podcast uh, this most recent time. Oh, we had Maria Sanchez and you. And we yeah. talked about this on the uh the podcast where it was like we talked about like other comedy scenes um in comparison to Baltimore. We were trying to talk about that like crabs in the bucket thing where it's like, you know, where you feel like in Baltimore, I don't think there's any more gatekeepiness than in any other city. But I think what makes us unique is because we are such a relatively small city compared to yeah. a place like New York or L.A. or even a smaller sk skills like. You know, even Philly and D.C. have, like, bigger scenes than us and stuff. And so it feels like there is more room at the top in those other cities where it feels like, yeah, there can be 10 top dogs in New York. But I think because Baltimore is such a smaller scale with music and comedy, it feels like subconsciously in every performer's mind that where it's like, if I'm not the best, if I'm not the guy in Baltimore, then I'm not doing shit. But I think that mentality all stems from like, again, that whole thing, you know, the old, the oldest, you know, cliche in the book about what bullying is, it's, it's your own insecurities. It's like when Maria was telling us about that one, um, guy who like the, uh, the black guy who did the, uh, comedy factory and then, but he only would book like clean white comedians to open for him because he didn't want anybody to even like compete with his like vibe because he knew that if you're doing like an all black room and you get some like Brian Regan type dude like, oh, I put the pop tart in the oven. Like that's not going to do as well as like with a white room. It's just it's just a different brand of humor. And so but he does that because his his interest isn't in curating the best show of the best possible acts that are going to that are going to give that uh, audience the best time. His interest is in being the best of that. And he doesn't care if that means that the audience is going to sit through two hours of shit they don't like just so they can by comparison be like, oh, at least this guy was funny. You know, at least this. So it's like, yeah, it's like people have this idea where they, they want to tear other people down because they feel like if there's another really good metal band in Baltimore, then that means that you're not also a really good metal band. Right. right. When in reality, it's like, no, dude, maybe if there were more 
good bands coming out of this city, then people might actually pay some fucking attention to Baltimore and then we'd all eat, you know? But instead, every great band out of Baltimore, guess what? They're not still in Baltimore, you know? All Time Low is a great example, you know? I don't know where they fucking moved to, but it wasn't fucking here. I didn't even know they were from around here. I can tell you exactly where all of them moved to. (laughs) A couple of them went to my high school. A couple of them went to the the rival high school up the street. But So, um, yeah, three of them went to Delaney, and then uh, Zach Merrick, the bassist, went to Towson. He was, like, a big old baseball player. Mm -hmm. He didn't even think the band was, like, going to work out. Like, he was, like, ready to go to college, and they were like... Oh shit! A record deal, like all right, but uh, yeah, no, they ended up leaving for like Alex and Jack are in L.A., Ryan's in Nashville, and then like Zach moved to fucking Hawaii. He was like, I'm not saying fair. Damn. Well, that's the thing about a band though is that you kind of have each other. I mean, and I'm sure there's competition a little bit within the band, but when it's stand up, it's like you're a fucking Ronin, you're a samurai without yeah. a master. 